Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Carpe Diem, Seize the Day, and we have a great show for you today. This season, we'll be discussing an age-old concept, Carpe Diem, which is Latin for Seize the Day, and which is taken from the Roman poet Horace's Odes, written in 23 BC. The Ode says that the future is unforeseen, and that one should not leave to chance future happenings, but rather one should do all one can today to make one's future better. And I have so enjoyed all of the shows that I've done so far with congenital heart defect or CHD survivors and their parents because it gives me new insights into what it's like for these people to live with a chronic illness. And it's interesting because I never really felt that my son, who was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, was really sick. So the term chronic illness never seemed to correspond to my happy, healthy baby that I held in my arms after he had his first surgery. Before he had his first surgery, he was not doing so well. But As I've lived for the last two decades as part of the CHD community, I don't think it can be denied that critical congenital heart defects qualify as chronic illnesses, and I'm always interested to see how different people react to having ongoing health issues. Today's show deals with a congenital heart defect survivor who has used her CHD to help her to reach out to others and to seize the day in a very special way. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Tracy Grasty. Tracy Grasty is a 49-year-old single woman born with tricuspid atresia, including an atrial septal defect, or ASD, a ventricular septal defect, or VSD, and hypoplastic right heart syndrome, which many of us call HRHS. She had a blaylock tussock shunt at 15 months and a Waterston shunt at four and a half years of age. She lived with cyanosis until she was 22 years old. During her senior year of college, she had the Fontaine procedure. After a year of recovery, she finished college with a Bachelor of Sciences degree in microbiology. She had no heart issues and was only taking baby aspirin until she experienced atrial flutter for the first time at 46. She has had a cardioversion and an ablation. Thanks to antiarrhythmia drugs and blood thinners, she has been atrial flutter-free since October 2013. She faces an eventual Fontaine revision. Tracy went back to school at 34 years of age to major in nursing. She has worked in the adult cardiac, surgical, and cardiovascular intensive care units, but now works as a pediatric cardiac intensive care nurse. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Tracy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. 
Well, I'm so happy to talk to a nurse who's worked in the PICU because, as you know, my son was born with a critical congenital heart defect, and he spent a good deal of time in the ICU, and you nurses are all treasures. Oh, thank you. (laughs) There aren't enough of you, and I know that that's a really tough place to work because it's hard to see little ones who are going through the kinds of things that our kids have to go through. So thank you so much for choosing to serve that population, Tracy. Oh, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I hope to give parents and children some hope when they look at me and see, you know, how I live my life. So that's kind of why exactly. I chose that field. Yeah, well, I can see that. <laughs> it seems <laughs> that must a godsend. So I think God had a special plan for you, and it seems to me that you are definitely fulfilling a very special plan. But it must have been so difficult for you to live with cyanosis for the first 22 years of your life. How do you think that that affected your decisions later in life regarding your career choices? Well, to be honest with you, that's all I knew. So it wasn't difficult at all. It was just how I was. I think when I was really little, I used to run and I'd get headaches. But once I learned what I could do with my own self and how I needed to just plan um, my classes, I had to schedule farther away apart because I knew I had to take up time in college or Mm -hmm. I had to just schedule myself in certain ways. I knew my limitations, and I always still wanted to go to college. My parents, they, I love them because they expected me to do exactly what my sister and brother did. They wanted me to bring home all A's. They wanted me to go to college. I had to do chores, so I just had to do everything a little slower than everybody else. And I just looked fine out. I could explain to my friends in college not to take me to health service because this is my normal color. But other than that, <laughs> you know, this was just my life. And at that time, I didn't know I was going to have another surgery. That was just who I was, so... It was okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what surgery did you have when you were 22? I had the Fontan procedure, and I had the classic Fontan where they don't do it anymore. It's when they connect the right atrium directly to the pulmonary artery. So I didn't have a Glenn, which is what a lot of the children have. This is their second surgery. I didn't have that. And then they do uh, different types of Fontan procedures now. They changed the one that I had because of some of the issues that I'm starting to have now that they were hoping to alleviate from the new surgeries. Like they have a lateral tunnel surgery or extra cardiac fontan, and the one that I had, they don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. My son had a fenestrated fontan over two decades ago, and he's had to have a fontan revision. He had to have a extra cardiac fontan because he was starting to have some problems. So you're right. With those older fontans, they seem to do okay for the first decade or so, and then after that, a lot of the as my friends call them, Fontaners, <laughs> start to have some problems. <laughs> right. Yes, I'm actually looking into having a revision myself. So it's just a big decision. <laughs> it is a huge decision. And I know that when we were looking at that with Alex, they said he's not sick enough yet, but we don't want him to get too sick that it makes it difficult for him to recover from it. And so I kind of feel like you walk a tightrope trying to figure out the best time to go ahead and do that. Right, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. I and mean, I've gone to several different doctors out in Texas Children's and from the Boston just looking for an answer. And Texas wants me to do it right away. Boston says I can wait. It's really difficult to decide because, like you said, the tightrope because you don't want to get too sick, but you don't want to be too well either. And I happen to be working full-time, and I'm doing fine. So I'm like, well, taking out of time, that's five months or more, out of work, in the hospital, my family's not near me, so it's a big decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, it really I, you know, is. I have... <laughs> it's, 
It really is a big decision. And I think one of the things that's difficult right now, you said you're single, your family is not near you, and you do need some support when you go through something that major. That's a big, hairy deal. It's a big, scary surgery. So I think you're smart to get several different opinions, but trust your gut. You're going to know, Tracy, when you really do need it. Right, right. I feel that. And I'm a pretty spiritual person, so I also rely on a higher power to direct me as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I think, well, I tend to be a very spiritual person too, and so I am not afraid to say that I pray and that I look for <laughs> signs and ask for signs because to me there has to be somebody more in control than I am. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I know, hopefully. <laughs> right. Well, Tracy, some people think that seizing the day means that you have to do these big, grandiose things like skydiving or jumping out of airplanes or off cliffs. And I'm wondering, what does seize the day mean to you? Well, I guess for me, it's how I've always been. I don't keep myself from doing anything. I don't look back and say, oh, I have CAC, I can't do this. I do whatever I want to do. So I graduated microbiology and I was actually in medical school for a year, but it was the year after my Fontan, so I really shouldn't have gone. So I ended up having to come out, but I worked in the lab for a few years, and I didn't want that anymore, so I went into teaching. I taught science for a few years. Then I said, well, let me go back to school and be a nurse. And I think that if you stay in any situation, a job, a, a bad relationship, something that's not making you happy, then you need to change it right away. Just seize the day as to do anything that's going to make you happy because every day is a new day, and you don't want to sit in this position where you're not happy. So I think seize the day is to do what you want to do while you can because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And and with my condition, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I like the fact that you weren't afraid to make a change. A lot of people think, oh, if I get this degree, and let's face it, college is not cheap, that if you no. get this degree, that then you have to work in that field. And a lot of times a degree is a stepping stone. Absolutely, because I didn't have to take quite as many classes to be a nurse because I had a microbiology degree. I just needed the nursing course, so all the sciences were done. You learn other things in college besides your degree. You get a lot of other intellectual abilities. So, I mean, I think that everything you do in life, you use in some way or form, and that nothing is a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And there are opportunities for us to learn from all the different things that we do. And you're right. When you go to college, it's not that you're learning just a trade. You're learning right. life skills. And if you're in a very good college, you can get a real variety of life skills. In fact, Jim Larson, who was my first guest for season six, taught to us about when he went to school, how he really learned about being a forester and how much he loved the outdoors because of an extracurricular (laughs) club that he belonged to. And it changed the course of his life. And he became an actual forester, which I think is amazing. I think he's (laughs) the only forester I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but wow. it's just a delightful experience that sometimes you think you know what you want to do, but then it's not until you are introduced to something else that you realize, wait a minute, that's not really where my heart is. Just like you realize being in the lab wasn't really where your heart was, nor was being in the classroom. But it seems like being in the hospital is the right place for you. Right. And then when I didn't want to do adults anymore, I wanted to do pediatrics, which is I think what I really wanted to do is just that I didn't want to do just pediatrics. I wanted to do a specialty in cardiac ICU, just like mm-hmm. in the situation where I am. So not a lot of mm-hmm. hospitals have only a, a CICU. So I think when I happened to find one that had one, then I was able to go to that. Yeah, I, but, well, uh, I love that. <laughs> I love how to you, seizing the day means doing what you can 
when you can do it. I like that. It's simple. And sometimes the simplest things are the best things because they're easy to remember. Unfortunately, so many people who want to seize the day have health issues. And I'm sure you see this by working in a hospital setting. So right. it prevents them from doing some of the things they might want to do. What advice would you give to somebody like that? Well, I can only say for myself that prior to my atrial flutter, I really had no issues at all. And I seized the day and did whatever I wanted to. Now, after the atrial flutter, I do have a little bit more challenges to do. One thing is my heart rate, it doesn't get as high. So I don't have as much energy as I used to have. And so I also have to take medicine that I didn't have to take before. So I just think that you have to just know your limitations. And I still have things that I like to do, but you just have to find out, okay, what do I have to do working with who I am? Just like when I had the cyanosis, I still went to college. I still took a full Mm -hmm. load. I didn't have to take 16 credits. I took 12, which was the minimum. I had to make sure I had my classes close enough or far enough in time so that I wouldn't be late. You have to work with what mm-hmm. you have. You can still do whatever you want to. You just have to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Am I going to give myself time? And then there may be a lot of things that you may want to do in life, but you just have to narrow down to the ones that you can do. And you can still have fun and do what you want to do, but you just need to make it a little more setting for what you can do physically. If you like going to concerts, you know, that's something you can do. But you also want to fly to Europe. Well, maybe flying to Europe you can't do right now, but you can do the concert portion. Just taper what you want and then still can see today. It's just maybe you have to taper what you desire into what you can do at the time you are with your health issues. Right. So what you're saying is that you don't have to completely discard your hopes and dreams or what you want to do to seize the day, but you might have to make some adjustments. And I think that's true for anybody, whether they have a heart defect or not. Many of us have to make adjustments due to finances or if you have children at home that you're taking care of or if you have elderly parents that you're taking care of. I mean, all of us have to make adjustments at one time or another. So I like what you said there. Don't get rid of your dream. Just figure out how you can adjust it so that you can still seize the day Maybe it just won't be the way you thought it was at first. So I really like that. Terrific advice, Tracy. We need to (laughs) take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Tracy about her philosophy of life in growing up with a severe congenital heart defect and some of the more dangerous adventures she's had when we come back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Tracy Grasty, a congenital heart defect survivor, and she's been sharing with us what Seize the Day means to her and how her heart defect has affected her life. But we're going to get into that a little bit more. Tracy, when you communicated with me via Facebook, you told me that you've taken part in quite a few dangerous activities, such as sky gliding, parasailing, and rappelling. Can you tell us about some of those activities and why you chose to do them and whether or not you think that's part of your carpe diem philosophy? When I grew up, my mom was kind of old protective of me. I think all of us, but I was always the adventurous type. And I think because I was the youngest as well as having a heart condition, I wanted to do things and mom was like, no, you can't do that. So when I went to college and had my Fontan and I was doing well, I mean, after my Fontan, 
then I felt like I could do roller coasters and I wanted to do anything that I felt I couldn't do before. And in my 40th birthday, I took a trip to Hawaii, and that's when I did the parasailing and paragliding and skydiving because I wanted to just really celebrate the fact that I was 40 years old. And the mm-hmm. rappelling I had done before with some friends and said, hey, you want to go rappel? I said, sure, why not? It sounds fun. Whitewater rafting, friends at work were going to do it. I said, why not? I'll try anything. Sounds fun. And I've always been the adventurous type. And I guess I feel like I've been through heart surgery three times. <laughs> Everything else is child's play. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love that. It gives you a whole new baseline, doesn't it? Right, right. It's like, I've done that. I've gone through all this. So this can't be so bad. So it's just exciting things to do. It's fun. I guess I'm happy to be alive. And I want to, use a day, do whatever seems fun. And like I said, I've always been an adventurous kind of type. And I wasn't able to do it when I was younger. So now that I've gotten older, I've been able to do more. <laughs> Well, and what a great place to go and do all of those activities. I mean, you must have had amazing sights while you were doing those different things. Oh, yeah. In Hawaii? I mean, how awesome is that? (laughs) Yeah, that was exciting. That was exciting. Yeah, the skydiving in Hawaii, that was very fun. I even have a DVD, (laughs) so I can look back at it. I'll have to somehow put it on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, you should, or put it on YouTube, or maybe we can link to it. That would be so neat. Oh, yeah. And you were 40 when you did that? I was 40, yeah. I just celebrated my 40th birthday, so I said, let me do something to bring it in. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, that sounds awesome. Did you terrify your doctors, or did you even tell your doctors you were going to do that? See, that's the thing. I never tell my doctors. (laughs) I never told my doctors anything until I had the atrial flutter a few years ago. I thought I was cured. Well, actually, until I became a CIC nurse, pediatric CIC nurse, I thought I was cured. And so I did whatever I wanted to, and I never talked to the doctors about it because I didn't think I needed to. I didn't think it was a problem ever. And I wasn't on the blood thinner, so except I was on baby aspirin, but that's not strong enough. I didn't think that it would make a difference. (laughs) So I did whatever. It's not like... Coumadin or heparin right, or right. any of those more severe blood thinners. Exactly. And so, no, I didn't talk to my doctor. Heck, I didn't tell my mother, though, until afterwards. Down to my new <laughs> <laughs> because your mother probably would have had a heart attack, Tracy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I said, I'll tell her after I come down, and then I'll tell my mom what I did. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it sounds like you have a brother and a sister. Yes, they both live in California, and they're both married with children. Well, my sister has one daughter, and my brother has two sons, and I'm the youngest. Well, are they adventurous like you? Are your oh, sister no, and brother adventurous really. like you? No? No, no, no. <laughs> they think I'm crazy for what I do. I mean, they've gone on, they'll go on roller coasters and stuff like that, but skydiving, no. I can't get them to do anything like that. Oh. <laughs> I went, in fact, I went to Hawaii on my own. I went by myself. So that's even an adventure. I do a lot of trips on my own and um, mm-hmm. because I'm single and a lot of people can't come with me. So I travel by myself and I make friends and I do that kind of thing. So I don't let my condition really stop me. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> sound like it. And that's awesome. So do you have some other adventures that you still want to do in the future? Well, I want to do zip lining <laughs> and I want to do hot air ballooning. I did want to do bungee jumping, but I have scoliosis and I have a rod in my back. I wore a brace for five and a half years from 11 to 17. And I have a rod in my back from spac surgery. And it, sometimes, mm-hmm. like with the roller coasters that jerk, 
it jerks me. So I figured the bungee jumping would mm. jerk. So that's why I don't want to do that one. But the stuff that doesn't jerk you, I'm all for that. So I'm thinking maybe I'll do some of that, some zip lining and hot air balloony. That might be fun. <laughs> Definitely do the hot air balloon. My husband and yeah. I did that for our anniversary two years ago, oh. and it was amazing. And it's so peaceful and so quiet when you're up there, and you really do get to see things in a totally different way than you do when you're in an airplane or anything else. It's amazing. I do recommend oh. that you do that. I had so much fun doing that. I've never done zip lining. Don't know if I'm as brave as you are. <laughs> oh, one, of my like coworkers, that, one of my co-workers did zip lining upside down and she showed me the photo. I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I want to do that yet. <laughs> but maybe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Why would you want to do zip lining upside down? It would make all the blood <laughs> flow to your head. <laughs> I know. I know. The picture was hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Oh but hey, I mean, but I know I want to do the zip lining up, upside down when I'm not sure. <laughs> So do you already have a location? (laughs) Do you have a location for where you want to do the zip lining? No, not really. I mean, I know some of my coworkers were doing it, and I couldn't go because I had to work and I couldn't get off. Otherwise, I would have already had it done. But, yeah, it would be nice to go maybe to Europe and something and do it. That would be fun. Because I want to do traveling, too. I want to travel outside the United States. I haven't really traveled. I need to get money for that because I've cleaned up my credit and I don't use credit cards or anything anymore. So I have to raise money and save it up. So I want to do some traveling and maybe I'll do some travel adventure that I do. Maybe that'll be what I do. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I know that when... <laughs> yeah, there you go. You better start saving now because that's right around the corner for you. But I know. I know a lot of the cruises that you can go on, they have these extra excursions. And so oh, yeah. we took a cruise one year and the boys swim with dolphins, which was really cool. Oh, yeah. And yeah. another time Joey did parasailing with his dad. And yeah, so there were so many fun things. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise before, but. Yeah, I went on one cruise and, and that's where I, I did some snorkeling and I did some kayaking on the cruise they, on one of the excursions. And so that was fun. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. I have a cruise, Gosh, actually. I have a cruise next to... year. Hmm? Oh, you do? You're going to a cruise yeah. next year? Yeah, my class, all of us turning 50 next year, so it's like I said, turning 50 group, I guess. We're going, I think it's Western Caribbean. <laughs> I bet you can do ziplining there. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll get my classmates to go with me. <laughs> there you go. So you wouldn't have to I be know. all by yourself. Oh, my gosh, I this know, sounds like so much fun. Wow. Well, the time has just flown by. Now it's time for another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Tracy about the biggest obstacle she's had in living each day to the fullest and what advice she has for other survivors regarding how their outlook can help them to seize the day. We'll be right back after this short commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Tracy Grasty, a congenital heart defect survivor. And boy, she is an adventurer. She is an amazing woman. She's a nurse, a teacher. I mean, wow, Tracy, you are just a renaissance woman. (laughs) Aw, I try my best. (laughs) 
Well, I have had so much fun talking with you, and I just love your adventurous outlook on life. You don't seem to be afraid of anything, and you're just willing to tackle whatever problems you come up with. But I'm wondering, surely you've had certain obstacles that you have had to overcome. So what's been the biggest obstacle for you to overcome in being able to seize the day? Well, I think my biggest obstacle was when I had the atrial flutter for the first time back in 2013. I was in the hospital like five times, and it was very new to me because I had been free of any issues. Remember, I think I was cured. I had no issues ever for like 25, 26 years. And so all of a sudden I was having these irregular rhythms, and it was making me dizzy. I couldn't stand. I couldn't work. I had to go to the hospital. I had to have several procedures. And I think putting put on medicine, so... Just that wake-up call has been kind of an obstacle, and when I think about doing things, I have to always have in the back of my mind, okay, like even when I go on this cruise now, I say, okay, which is the hospital that can be near if something happens? I need to make sure that they know that this is an issue. Should I go? Should I do this? It's more things that I'm thinking about now that I didn't really think about in the past, and make sure I take my medicine. I'm really bad at taking my medicine, which is bad for a nurse to be, but when you've only taken an aspirin for most of your life, and then all of a sudden you have to actually take other medicine more than once a day, then I have to set the clock. And so just having the back of my mind that I always have to consider my CHD more than I used to, that's kind of been more of an obstacle. I don't think it stops me, but it pauses me a bit to, mm-hmm. to really consider. And I think with anyone that has that, they should do that. They should just pause. It shouldn't stop you, but you should pause and say, okay, how am I going to do this with my condition Make sure I take my medicine. Make sure I know where the CHD adult congenital heart hospitals are that I can go to if I'm traveling. The Adult Congenital Heart Association gives us this book where you can travel. It gives you all the different hospitals wherever you go in the United States and across the seas as well. So if you do that, and also I guess my parents are still my emergency contact because being single, most people have like a significant other or somebody right there with them. My emergency contact is almost my parents, and they live in Detroit, Michigan, while I still live in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't know. I think that that's probably the biggest obstacle. I, I don't really consider my condition an obstacle too much. I try not to, and I never have. But because I've had some sicknesses, I've had to reconsider some things. And so I think that's been the, the issue mostly. Yeah, it's interesting because my son was very much like you. Because he was born with this heart defect, he didn't remember a time when he didn't have a scar on his chest. Well, he only Mm -hmm. was scarless for two months, and then he had this major scar. So for as long as he can remember, he's had this heart defect. And it's just part of who he is, but he never let it really define him. But then when he had to have his Fontan revision when he was 16, wow, things changed. All of a sudden, Mm -hmm. it became more salient for him. He couldn't understand why I was worried and I would stress right. out over doctor's <laughs> visits and stuff like that. It was just commonplace to him. But for those of us who don't have hearts like that, it seems like a really big deal. But I like how you've been able to compartmentalize. You know what to worry about. You know where to get help. And I like that you mentioned the ACHA. For those listeners who don't know about that, it's the Adult Congenital Heart Association, and you can find them online. And they do offer a good variety of resources to adults who are living with congenital heart defects. And so having that list of places you can visit and nearby hospitals. What a godsend that is. That's amazing. I know when I traveled with Alex, I always had to do that research on my own. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's nice to know that there's one location where you can get all of that information. Well, I love your outlook on life. You have such a positive outlook. Can you tell us what advice you would give to other congenital heart defect survivors regarding how their outlook on life can help them to better seize the day? Well, the thing that I've always known is that I do have my sad days too, don't get me wrong, but I think that you have to be able to positively be optimistic because we're still on the earth. Every day is a new day. Medical science is constantly learning more. And you get to the day and then tomorrow may be different. I think that you should do whatever you want to do and believe that you can do it. Say, well, what can I do to make that possible for me? What do I need to do with my condition? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to have as a special provision if this is something you want to do? And you have to be positive, always positivity. Positivity brings people out of surgeries healthier, brings people out of all kinds of situations better. And negativity doesn't do anything. It's not going to help you at all. And so if you always have a positive outlook and always feel like you can be your best and do your best and do whatever you can, see if you're not, you're just as good as everybody else. You have a CHD. And some people, I understand, have sicker issues. Some people are more blessed than others in the fact that they may have harder issues, more medicine to take. They they don't work. They have to be at home. But do whatever you have. Think the best of it, what you have and what you can do. If you need oxygen, then have oxygen, but still take a trip. Don't say, I don't want to take the oxygen. Don't care if anyone sees you with the oxygen, and that's fine. You do your thing. You go out and, and whatever you want to do in life, you go and do it because you have this one life and this is the card you've been dealt. And play your hand. You can win <laughs> regardless, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that. Positivity does make a huge difference. And a lot of times if you think you can, you can't. If you think mm-hmm. you can't, you can't. And so focusing on the positive enables us to do things that we might not have ever thought we can do But it's like you said, if you have a limitation, figure out a way around it. It opens up your whole sense of creativity, and it opens up the world to you. So I love that. I think that's awesome. I know that surrounding yourself with positive people also makes a huge difference because when you're surrounded with other people who have an outlook like you do, it's easier to stay up. Unfortunately, there are a lot of naysayers. There are a lot of people who say, oh, you can't do that or or worry words. They won't want you to do things. And you have to be the positive force that says, wait a minute, I can too. So, like you said, maybe I do need oxygen if I'm going to go do this. Or maybe I am going to need more time to do this because I can't zoom around like other people, but it can still be done. So, thank you so much for coming on this show, Tracy. This has been a very positive show, and I've loved it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed myself. Well, good. It's been fun. We'll have to have you back on again sometime soon. I can tell you're a fun guest to work with. But unfortunately, (laughs) that has to conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. The time went by way too fast. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. And follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. 
We'll talk again next week. 